0: Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday.
1: Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We have a great day today. We're here with Father Michael Diascanis. He's the pastor of St. Philip Neri Parish. He's given a talk recently at a parish that could be entitled, Don't Count God Out. He's always raising up the faithful to renew the church. Don't count God out. He's always raising up the faithful to renew the church. So what a great blessing having you here tonight. It's good to be with you, Brian. So it is very interesting how how God is always moving. God is always acting. Obviously, over this past year, there's been a lot of challenges in the church, and some people are tempted to discouragement. What kind of words of encouragement would you give? Just
2: that, always go back to the beginning. Jesus died and came back to life. So if God can come back to life, he can do anything. And we see that you look at the history of the church when we've been in times of weakness and and immorality and confusion that inevitably God inspires men and women to come forward to reform and become great saints. I
1: think it's very fascinating even if you go back to whether it was the time where Saint Benedict helped to renew the church or Francis of Assisi and Dominic helped to renew the church or during the 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 counter-reformation who were uh Some saints during the Counter Reformation that God raised up uh, before we get to Saint Philip Neri. Well, so this is the 1500s when many
2: Christians were leaving the Catholic Church, forming Protestant sects. But then within the Catholic Church, men and women rose up to reform from the inside, not to leave the church to start new, but to fix the church from the inside. And we have the Saint Ignatius of Loyola starts the Jesuit movement. His friend Saint Francis Xavier, the great missionary. Yes. And at the same time in Spain, there was also St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross reforming the Carmelites, St. Philip Neri. Interestingly, St. Philip and St. Ignatius and St. Francis and St. Teresa were all canonized on the same day. Right. And the Italians speak fondly of that day. They say that was the day that they canonized three Spaniards and Saint, yeah. meaning Philip. <laughs> so, a
1: little biased. It's interesting how, can you imagine the canonization of those powerhouses, like before they weren't canonized. Now we talk about those saints all the time and how God raised them up. It also includes St. Charles Borromeo and Robert Bellarmine and a number of others. So what a great gift. Well, in fact, Philip was friends with St. Charles and St. Ignatius,
2: or knew St. Ignatius, and he knew of each other, and also St. Camillo de St. Camillo, yeah. So, so compatriots, fr- contemporaries, friends at the same time in Rome.
1: If you remember one of the books by Cher Waddell, in her opening chapter, she talks about the 14 friends that changed France. Hmm. And it talked about how people were related. That was in a little bit later with Francis de Sales and Vincent de Paul and and others. But there is a gift where saints inspire saints, Uh, faithfulness, uh, striving for holiness. And what a great gift, which brings us ultimately to Philip Neary, who Philip really began as a layperson. Can you speak to that a little bit more? What was he doing in his 20s? And and, and what was his experience of faith?
2: Interesting uh, journey that he took to Rome was from Florence and in Florence at that time, the Dominicans were trying to reform a very secular and decadent culture. Father Savonarola was speaking up against the decadence of the time he was ultimately executed by the Medici family. <laughs> so kind of a controversial figure, but he inspired Philip in his asceticism and simplicity and prayerfulness. And then Philip moved with his uncle down south of Rome, near Monte Cassino, the great Benedictine monastery. And he was inspired by the Benedictines and their life of prayer and work and study. And then he came to Rome. He felt inspired to come to Rome, I think when he was 18 or early 20s, just as a layman seeking his vocation and just began doing an apostolate in Rome, just as a Catholic layman, praying, doing works of charity, And starting to draw others around him, kind of had that charismatic personality. So he worked in Rome as a layman into his mid-30s when he felt called to become a priest.
1: And it's it's interesting. He becomes this great witness of if you want to renew the church, if you want to reform the church, it has to start within. Can you speak a little bit about his prayer life, especially with his connection with the catacombs? Right. So when he came to Rome,
2: he didn't start an apostolate right away. He was seeking his own spiritual growth, trying to figure out God's plan for his life. So we know that he led a very intense spiritual life. He lived great simplicity of life, a lot of self-denial, trying to tame his passions, especially as a young man in his 20s, to give his heart completely to God. And he kind of rediscovered the catacombs, which had been somewhat forgotten, kind of overgrown. And he, he would go there most nights in prayer after a day's work, go out to the catacombs into the dark, into the quiet and the solitude, and just enter a kind of deep mystical prayer with God kind of escaping from the world and entering into communion with God. Once, when praying there and calling upon the Holy Spirit, he had a vision of a a flame coming into his mouth and then down through his throat into his heart. And then his heart visibly felt, or or sensibly felt hot. And actually from that point forward for the rest of his life, he was hot. He often would. Go out on the roof or open his windows because he felt hot. But from that point forward, he had great kind of spiritual gifts that God gave him. So it was building himself up in prayer and asceticism, preparing for the work God had.
1: And the fact that it happened over a long period of time, it was ten years and spending a lot of time in prayer, in the ascetical life, and works of charity, and the two always go together. You know, if it's just outward, outward, but not renewed from within, it's empty or if it's just inward that doesn't have an output unless a person's called to a temple of life or a cloistered community, how, how beautiful that witness is. I'm, Somebody I'm, said the three
2: pillars of the spiritual life, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving.
1: <laughs> I think it was Jesus, so
2: Philip lived that. Yes. Prayer, fasting, and works of charity. He cared for the pilgrims who would come from all around the world to Rome, but often were sick or beaten up when they got there, and they had a hospital, and he would help tend to them.
1: And It was also they needed places to stay. Many times they didn't come with a lot of money and, and those things, but also caring for the sick. Regarding that time in the catacombs, I remember that it said that he would go with a, a jug of water, a loaf of bread, and a, a candle and a Bible. And he would just pray for hours down in the catacombs. And, and that experience of the, the fire of uh, seemingly of, of, of God's love where his heart physically enlarged. And it said at the end of his life, his his ribs during that time, His rib formed around it without breaking, and they later found an enlarged heart, one that was so filled with the love of God that he said when it was happening, no more, Lord, no more, I can't take it. I can't take it because he was so overwhelmed by the love of God. We took a pilgrimage to Rome three
2: years ago from our parish, St. Philip Neri to learn about him, our patron, in the footsteps of St. Philip, and we visited the catacomb of St. Sebastian. And down in the lower catacomb, they do have a a chapel dedicated to him, which is more or less where he prayed.
1: That's powerful. That's a beautiful... What a great gift. How would you speak about, how did he go from being a kind of a lay missionary and taking care of the sick and and, uh, hosting pilgrims to the priesthood?
2: He began gathering young men, young adults around him. He just had a charismatic personality. He was known for his cheerfulness. It's one of his gifts. And so he attracted young men to him through a spirit of friendship and cheerfulness, and then would try to build up their faith, try to teach them how to enter into daily prayer, encourage them to return to the sacraments, confession, mass, helping them to learn their Catholic faith, refocusing on the scripture, getting back to basics. Who is Christ? What did he say? What did he do? Prayer is conversation with Christ. And starting to also help them to learn the history of their Catholic faith. But after several years of doing this and starting this kind of group and ministering to them, he started to feel the call to minister as a priest to them, to be able to give them the sacraments himself, spiritual direction, confession, and communion. So in conversation with his spiritual director, he entered seminary and after six months was ordained a priest. <laughs> this now takes seven years. It took him six months, age, thirty six, I believe, he began serving as a priest.
1: Some have said that because he taught church history, that he helped cure people of during this time of when the church was dividing, because they realized that the church was always in need of reform, it wasn't as scandalous when you learn church history, that in essence it saved Italy from splitting apart of the church because they were very familiar with, it, with church history. Yeah, as much of Europe was
2: separating from the Catholic church, Philip was starting to reform the church at its heart in Rome. He's called the new apostle of Rome, kind of continuing the work of Peter and Paul 1,500 years before him. But also yeah, rediscovering the patristic writings, the early fathers, the Catholic writings of the first, second, and third century, It said that to, to know history is to cease being Protestant, that some broke off from the church because they didn't know the history, and maybe they saw the current decadence and spiritual problems and, and didn't have the long view and didn't see that the church continually is renewing itself. But Philip introduced us, the Catholics of Rome, to the history of the church and said, you know, don't despair, be hopeful, Uh, the renewal is starting now.
1: And that's interesting that that really is the Catholic understanding. The church is renewed from within, and not just within generally, but within each person, that it's not separate from the church. That's a very Catholic understanding of the body of Christ is ultimately renewed within. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to hear more about uh, Don't Count God Out. He's always raising up the faithful to renew the church, and a little bit more about St. Philip Neary. We'll be
3: right back. May God bless you. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Archbishop Jose H. Gomez of Los Angeles was elected to a three-year term as president of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops during the Bishop's Fall General Assembly in Baltimore. The 67-year-old Mexican native was chosen November 12th with 176 votes from a slate of 10 nominees. Archbishop Gomez is the first Latino to be elected president. He has served as conference vice president for the past three years, working alongside Cardinal Daniel N. DiNardo of Galveston, Houston, the outgoing president. The Los Angeles prelate has been a leading advocate of immigrant rights often voicing support for newcomers as they face growing restrictions being implemented by the Department of Homeland Security and other federal agencies, according to Catholic News Service. During an address to the bishops, Archbishop Christophe Pierre, the Vatican's Nuncio to the United States, reminded bishops that the Pope has emphasized certain themes, mercy, closeness to the people, discernment, accompaniment, a spirit of hospitality toward migrants, and dialogue with those of other cultures and religions. He challenged the bishops to think about whether those themes are becoming part of the mindset of their clergy and people. For more on this story and continuing coverage of the meeting of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, visit catholicreview.org. Also, for resources for celebrating Black Catholic History Month in this month of November, visit archbalt.org. From the Newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek.
4: Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, the Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have the Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice a week updates. Just text Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For
5: 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call
1: 410-566-7770. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm here with Father Michael Diascanis. He's the pastor of St. Philip Neary. And he recently gave a talk that could be entitled, Don't Count God Out. He's Always Raising Up the Faithful to Renew the Church. Welcome back, Father Michael. Thank you. Good to be here. We're talking about how God raised up someone like Philip Neary, who really helped revive the city of Rome. Can you speak more to that in ways that God used him? Well, we say that he was
2: in Rome at a time that everybody was Catholic and nobody cared. A great indifference about the Catholic faith, almost all Italians were baptized Catholics, but there was great secularism in the church, which means that people were focused on the here and now, the material wealth and comfort more than spiritual goods. And even in the church itself, that many of the bishops or cardinals were more political appointees than men of holiness and leadership and wisdom. We get the word nepotism from this period of time when the Italian popes would name their nephews to positions of influence in the Italian word for nephews, nipote. Wow. Um, one of Philip's friends was Cardinal Barromeo. He was named a cardinal at age 21, which is barely drinking age. Thanks <laughs> be to God, he became holy, and that's one case where it worked out. So there was kind of an indifference. There was a skepticism. There was a sense among the laity that the church was not holy. And Philip came and, and brought the love of Christ back to the city and not only affected the common man, but also the bishops and the Pope himself.
1: And he would literally just gather young people, say, Hey, come and join me, and speak more about his love for the young people and what he did to engage them. Right. So he would challenge them. He would say,
2: Be good if you can. Stati bonis, se potete. Be good if you can he just challenged them. He, again, he was infectious with his just good humor and his charismatic personality, which drew people to to himself and then ultimately to Christ. As you say, you attract more with honey than vinegar. He had a good sense of humor. He would make practical jokes and the young people responded to that. So he would just start having informal gatherings. He started two or three and then they would bring their friends and it kept growing. The room where they met, he had a keep finding new rooms. Eventually, this group came to be called the Oratory. They began meeting in a room called the Oratory, and then the group itself took on the name. A gathering for discussion and prayer, they would discuss Jesus Christ, who is he, in the scriptures, they would take a gospel passage, and and he would discuss it in a, just kind of an informal conversational way, which was not being done much at the time. It was more formal preaching from the pulpit. He was even called into question, well, you're not a teacher or a theologian, and yet you're engaging these people. He said, we're just talking about Jesus. Did he live the life? What did he say? What did he do? But he also would have, teach them to pray, but almost in a a more spontaneous way as well. It was a conversational prayer with Christ. And he would encourage them to participate. They, They would sing hymns together. And one of the young people that came went on to become famous in the world of music, Palestrina. So he would compose music and then come and they would sing it for the first time in the oratory. So singing, music, discussion, prayer, they also would take long walks through the city and have these conversations. And he would reintroduce them to the beauty of Rome, the Catholic history, the tombs of saints. They, once a year, would take the seven church wall. Rome has seven basilicas, and they would visit all seven in one day, which is an 18-mile walk. Wow. They would usually do it during Holy Week in anticipation of Easter. And in the middle of the way, they would stop for lunch in the field and have a big Italian picnic. Um, <laughs> well, that tradition is still continued today. In Rome. The American seminarians have kind of sparked new life into it. And they they, they go from about 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and complete the 18 miles. So just teaching them how to pray, sparking their interest in things Catholic, renewing their understanding of Scripture and of their Catholic heritage.
1: I remember also realizing that it's not like he was meeting with 200 people in the beginning. As a small group of people, what, what would you say the number is when you were just gathering and they're having discussions? Well, I'm sure it started with two or three and then 10. And yeah, in the early years, probably no more than 20. So we should, that should give us inspiration to say big movements don't necessarily start with 300 people. Sometimes they start with a group of five or seven and having those deeper discussions. And sometimes the smaller and smaller groups deeper helps to bear fruit in greater abundance uh, as a result of it.
2: Some of those young men became priests, bishops, and saints.
1: Speak to, so he was known for his joyfulness, we'll come back to that, but specifically his sense of humor, what were things that that were examples of where he would allow himself to look foolish or be foolish so as to not take himself too seriously? Well, people began to recognize his
2: goodness and be attracted to him and his holiness. He was a mystic. As we said, he lived a great ascetical life and a life of prayer and charity, and that began to manifest itself in miracles. So people were attracted to him in coming, and they wanted advice, and the great Philip Neri, and he recognized always the temptation that anyone would have of pride or being self-content. So he would try to deflect the attention from himself. And so he would sometimes act foolish, so that people wouldn't take him too seriously. They wanted He wanted them to take Christ seriously, but not him, that it wouldn't become a cult of personality. So once he shaved half of his beard just to look foolish. and uh, One of the Penances he gave was humorous but very effective when someone had confessed gossiping, speaking badly of another person, telling something that wasn't true, and that rumor spread. Philip said, Okay, well, then I want you to buy a chicken at the market, and as you're walking back to give it to me, pluck the feathers. He said, Okay, that's not too hard. And then when they arrived back with the chicken to give to Philip, he said, Now go back along the way and pick up all the feathers, which of course had blown around and dispersed and they said that's impossible he said exactly just like when you gossip it's impossible to undo the effect of that you can never take back the hurt reputation so kind of humorous but also very effective
1: i remember another story where someone struggled with vanity and he said for your penance i want you to find a street dog an ugly street dog and carry it through the city of rome <laughs> that was a way to humble a person to say you know do not care about what other people think of you and just those humble humble ways what about any other thing with the music, or even just the spirit of pilgrimage that we can apply today? Well, it's really Catholic culture as part of it,
2: exposing our young people to Catholic culture, Catholic traditions, Catholic feast days, Catholic saints, which many families don't do, sadly. We know in the parish we offer things and people don't come. But it's it's those young experiences that I think stick in our mind and make an impression and spark our imagination. So our youth ministry is important in our parishes, and and this is one aspect of it, exposing it to Catholic culture. But also, I think Pope John Paul was a great uh, example of ministering to young people, taking them seriously and telling them the truth, speaking about mature topics with young people, like Christ and Scripture and patristics, making it interesting because it is interesting. It's fascinating, but presuming that they can handle it and being there to answer the questions that arise.
1: And along with that, because of his deep interior life, he had again this contagious joy that he's known for that was very attractive. And you could you could almost see like the Italian joy like, hey, come over, you know. Come. And what is one of his famous phrases, When shall we begin good today? When shall we begin some good today? And that whole mysterious of, of
2: One day at a time. In our parish office at St. Philip near you, on the wall, we have our slogan for our parish staff, and it's work, prayer, and cheerfulness. We've got to try to emulate Philip's cheerfulness.
1: If I can share the story a little bit, when I was first discerning priesthood, I worked near BWI, and the neighboring parish was St. Philip Neary, and I used to go pray on my lunch break, and, and I remember going up to the statue, they have a statue in the church, and saying, Philip, you know, I'd heard about his joyfulness, and, and he was just a very attractive saint. He's like, Philip, will you pray for me? Because I don't know what God's asking me to do, and I used to pray in the church just saying a prayer that a Jesuit mm-hmm. taught me. Lord, help me to want what you want, and help me to desire what you desire. And when I prayed that prayer, over the course of about a year and a half, I felt drawn to eventually apply for seminary and be accepted and enter. And it turned out that it was six years later that I ended up being ordained on his feast day. And it was just such a grace. So he's really been a special saint in in my life and in the life of, uh, I know, many others. Just inspiring for us. Uh, We need to share the story of Philip Neary, especially his openness to the Holy Spirit. What would you say to people in terms of how his openness to the Holy Spirit should inspire them. Yes, well, we have a bit of a
2: renewal in the Catholic Church in the United States since the 1970s, a charismatic renewal, trying to refocus on the Holy Spirit, like more directly inviting the Spirit of God into our soul and seeking to respond to his gifts. And so I think that is happening, but we need to help our parishioners engage that. Also, Philip, through the renewal, or part of the renewal that we haven't mentioned was really a return to the sacramental life of the church. As we said, when he was in Rome, everybody was Catholic and no one cared. That's our United States today. Everyone's Christian, but many don't seem to care. He helped people rediscover confession and holy communion. Frequent confession, frequent communion. These two tools that Christ gave us to use often. So that's also a key pillar of the renewal.
1: Which reminds us if we wanna if you want the church to be renewed, it's only renewed from the inside out. We should never count God out because He's always raising up the faithful to renew the church. What a great blessing to have our Father Michael Diascanis here, the pastor of St. Philip Neri. Many blessings to you, to all of our listeners, and look forward to you coming back next week. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Baltimore. May God bless you.
4: Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org
6: life can be hard and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone when faced with problems know that there is a group of catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the archdiocese of baltimore waiting to lift you and your needs to god in prayer this ministry is comprised of men and women young and old religious and lay from every ethnic and cultural background they pray as individuals and in groups in homes and meeting spaces throughout baltimore like you they are people who have suffered the same hurts fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our blessed mother as we pray hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed are thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen may god bless us and keep us always in his love